Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Owning Your Legacy. Today, I have the honor of talking with Jessica Zwag, and our topic is about not just the pieces and the importance of bringing our whole selves to work. Jessica is a rock star. She's an entrepreneur, a personal branding expert, and CEO and founder of Simply Be Agency. She just recently wrote a book called Be, a no-bullshit guide to increasing your self-worth and net worth as simply being yourself. She also hosts a podcast and is an international speaker. She launched her own magazine and grew it to be the largest online magazine for women in Chicago for seven years running. Jessica was named one of Crane's Chicago 2020 Most Notable Entrepreneurs. Forbes spotlighted her as a personal branding expert and Inc. says she is a top digital marketer to watch. She's named one of the Chicago Tribune's top entrepreneurs to follow. She has received two Stevie Awards of Female Entrepreneur of the Year. Following our conversation, you'll get to hear from Edlong's Chief Commercial Officer, Dale Whitehaz, and he's going to share his takeaways and insights from the conversation that Jess and I had. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Jessica. So, how are you? Good to see you. I'm so excited too. So thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, Owning Your Legacy. I think uh, this is Jessica, everybody, and she owns Simply Be. And tell us a little bit about yourself, Jessica. So you're right. I own Simply Be Agency. I am the founder and CEO. And so you know what it's like to build a company and grow a company. And um, that has been my past five years, just really, you know, creating a a business that has meaning. So my background is I went to school for theater. I ran my first company right out of college when I was super green. I was, you know, I ran a magazine for seven years, made a whole bunch of mistakes was, you know, it was an amazing chapter, but there was a lot of learning and a lot of learning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of learning. I feel like you never like win or lose, you win or you learn. And so I learned a lot in those seven years. And then starting Simply Be in 2016, about five years ago, you know, has really been a time in my life where I've been more on purpose than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my greatest gift and what I think my legacy is really going to be is awakening people to the light within themselves. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. The truth. And that goes for my clients. That goes for my team. You know, many of them are young women. Mm -hmm. And I feel very committed to this message and path of authenticity. Yes. And I wrote a book about it called Be this year. And, um, you know, being a, a leader is like the greatest personal growth school of it all, but it's also the greatest adventure of my life. And um, we do personal branding mm-hmm. for our clients, but really it's a, a way of awakening, again, people to the light within them and then just giving them the tools to communicate that into the world. Yes. And, and I'm blessed and honored to be going through this personal branding with you. And it's emotional. Wow. It is like, it's like therapy on steroids. (laughs) And I think, so today we're going to talk about bringing your whole self, not just the pieces to work, which I think is a really relevant topic. And sometimes it's hard. I have to say, going through this process with you, one of the hardest things is just being visible, showing up. And I think that comes from being the youngest of seven, kind of, uh, you know, don't get too big for your britches, girlfriend. And I know you talk about that a lot in when you talk about branding and personal branding. It's not vanity. It's almost like that divine calling. And I think that's that's really, really very cool. So yes. 
Um, there was one I, I was mentioning. I listened to a podcast yesterday. It was Brene Brown, one of my favorites. And she was interviewing two women, and I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but they wrote a Harvard Business Review article on imposter syndrome. And it was a really good one, so you have to check that out. But they were talking about from pet to threat. I've never heard that saying before. I don't know if you ever have. But when you bring your whole self to work, at first, you know, people, we all say that. You know, we want, I say that too at Edlong, I want you to be your best self, you know, and really be able to be who you truly are because I think you're more creative and innovative when that happens. But this concept of pet to threat, the woman was saying, yeah, you act like you want our whole self. She was saying, you know, but then leadership can sometimes diminish that. Um, and if you're too loud and you challenge the status quo too much, you become that threat. God, that's such a brilliant point and great question. You know, something that I learned to accept a while ago, this wasn't immediate, but over the course of time and building my team, I've come to accept, as sad as it is, that they're not going to be with me forever. Right. <laughs> that they're they're here for them, you know, mm-hmm. and they're here to grow their own careers. And you know, with the, maybe a couple exceptions of my my co-founders and the, and the people that really started this business with me, um, that actually have ownership in the business. The rest of my staff, you know, they're employees. And right. so the more that I can really give them all of the space, yes, to be who they are, to have outside interests to use their voices to advocate for what they want to do here, not what I want them to do here. Mm-hmm. That makes this then a place that cultivates, like, I want to say loyalty and retention. Yes, yes, because they feel like they're given that opportunity, but also a place where they can truly stretch and grow and thrive, you know, as employees here at Simply Be. And mm-hmm. I've I've learned to really kind of get out of their way and yes. not be so possessive if that, you know, mm-hmm. if I can be so bold to say I've had, you know, scarcity in the past, like, oh, well, I will do anything to, for you to stay and make you happy versus the, the, the shift that's gone on. is like, you know what, you're not going to stay here forever. So let me make the time that you are here as enriching for you as it is for me. Right. And, um, you know, to be frank with you, it's inspired my staff to stay with me longer right? <laughs> and, and grow with me. So I think that's a huge um, shift. And, and really, when it comes to imposter syndrome, meeting them where they are, mm-hmm. um, you know, really letting them be real in that, in that fear. And um, yeah. when they are given the tools to, to move through that, then they're empowered, right? Yes. And so the pet to threat, like journey is so, so interesting. Like your staff and the greatness of your staff, to be frank, should feel a little threatening to you. Like, holy crap, I've got such talented people right. who could go anywhere and thank God they're with me. So I'm going to treat them right while mm-hmm. they're here. And right. that has really been a shift for and me. And I as think a, as I, that's awesome. And I, I think like at the base of it, and they were talking about it a little bit, is trust. That mm-hmm. you have to have a trusting, you know, that circle of trust that we talk about. But in order to even voice and become a threat and us as leaders welcoming that voice of, you know, you say this is your values, but maybe you're not living it. And, and to listen to our employees when they, when they want to tell us something. And I, yeah, and I don't think they would if they don't trust us. You know, they have to know that we care and... Yeah, and you can't manufacture that. No. You know, you, you words. It, 
Actions speak louder. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's what this woman was talking about. It's like, yeah, you say this and it's all talk, but they really watch how we behave, you know, and it can't be perfect all the time. But um, No, it's true. mm -hmm. I often say that you as a leader, especially as a CEO, but in any seat of leadership, you are on stage. You are being watched. That's why your theater degree was probably perfect. I wish I had a theater degree sometimes. (laughs) It just served me well. I, I will definitely say that. It has. That's cool. Yeah. You don't have a choice anymore. You have to be mindful and aware and conscious of how you show up because you are living a living example of, you know, your culture right. and how, you, how the team is expected to operate. And I think an interesting too, thing, too, is like the imposter syndrome, the, the concept of this um, article was kind of to kill it, quite frankly, and to say, you know what? It's not a woman thing. Men have it too. Um, it's really, it's really a self confidence and and to really support people even when they're feeling vulnerable and not confident and maybe um, not competent at a particular job. You know that you've given them and it, it was very different, a different angle than I've really ever heard on that. So I thought that was interesting. You know, can I can I share a quick anecdote about yes. imposter syndrome? Love it. So, you know, I'll just use you as an example, okay? So, I mean, you have such a bright light and you're so warm and open and welcoming. But when I first met you and I was engaging with you and had the opportunity to have you as a client, you know, there was a small part of me was like, Lorette Rondonet is a big effing deal. Like she's, <laughs> this, you know, mega company with hundreds of employees and she's listed in cranes and she's, you know, she's got this like true reputation of success. And <laughs> Thank you. You know, I was very secretly, you know, had, I had my own moments of like, you know, is she going to, is she going to want to work with me? And then. Oh. And I think you are just like the light. So well, it's, it's mutual. Isn't that, isn't that funny though? Because, yes. you know, I'll never be an expert in, in dairy flavorings. I'll never <laughs> be an expert in, you know, the, the type of industry you're in. But I'm an expert in what I do. I'm an expert in personal branding and social mm-hmm. media and content marketing and PR. And so. The trade-off is that where you're, I wouldn't say like, you know, where there's gaps of unknown for you, mm-hmm. I fill in. Mm-hmm. And where there's gaps and unknown for me, you fill in around building a huge company and being this <laughs> mega CEO, like it's aspirational for me. So when we really remember our own gifts yes. and our own unique backgrounds and story and power, then Imposter syndrome can kind of dissolve when yes. you remember that in yourself. I think that's the goal, exactly. And I think um, I have an interesting story. We were, my team and I were just in Arizona doing some strategic planning last week. Um, or was it the week before? It's a blur, man. <laughs> but one of the interesting, the, the facilitator, Bobby, who I think you know her, um, she's like, there was one point in, a mor- in the morning and she like stopped the bus and she asked my my CFO, Brenda, she's like, wait a minute, Lorette. I want to know the numbers. I want to know the numbers from when you started, what happened. And the part of that imposter syndrome is we don't take it in. You know, you, yeah. you can talk about the awards and the accolades and it's, it's the really like taking it in and, and being proud of yourself. It's not easy. It's, and there's always, you got to keep going, you know? Well, yeah, we're here, but I really want to be here. So I think you're right, though. It's the, the point is let's dissolve it. And, and yeah. help other, you know, women and, and men, quite frankly, kind of. Yes. And the only them. way we dissolve it is 
I believe through just doing the damn thing. Right. Like, everyone's a little scared. So. Oh, I tell you, you anything. have taken me out of my comfort zone like nobody's business. So. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's been it's been really fun. Even like the photo shoot last week was really fun. That photographer, wow. Talk about little power pistol thing. She was she was so bossy but so good. She's like, I hope I'm I'm like, you are awesome. She knows yeah. she knows her lane. She does. She's in charge. Okay, so so I would say um, when we talk about owning your legacy, how was that process for you? As far as figuring out your calling, I know you've stated it really well, and I think you live it very well. So how did it kind of come to you? Is there anything in like your childhood or how you were brought up that kind of helped you figure out who you were? Well, you know that I'm a very spiritual person. I do know that. We share that. (laughs) We're both good witches. We're the the good witches. (laughs) And we don't we don't age. <laughs> Getting better. <laughs> so I would say that you know I had to go through my own dark night of the soul to really uh, find my own truth and my own light. And that happened, I would say, about ten years ago. I mean, I grew up, you know with a typical, loving, perfectly dysfunctional family. Yes. um, And (laughs) And we pick those families, you know, that's what they say. (laughs) Totally pick those families. Absolutely. And so we, um, you know, my parents did the best they could, and I I, I have great relationships with them. But I I grew up in an environment and a community that was very fluent, and I was never really on the inside. I felt like I was always on the outside. So I grew up with a huge sense of insecurity and low self-esteem for the majority of my life until like college. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even in my 20s, sort of stumbled around, tried to find love in all the wrong places, looked for validation in all the wrong places, made all my professional mistakes. So when I hit about 30 is really when I started to tap into, I think, the beginnings of what I think my legacy will be, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is is simply to be, I know this sounds cheesy, but to, to be the example of light. Yes. Like, I'm not here to make you see how amazing I am. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be an example of how amazing you can be and how amazing you already are. Mm-hmm. And I particularly have a soft spot for young women, Me like, too. you know, young women in their 20s and mm-hmm. like, that that really vulnerable time in my life when I was so blind to my own light and power. And if I can be an activator, a guide, a teacher, a mirror for younger women to live their light, then that's, and I die with people thinking of me and remembering me for that. Yeah. That is my legacy. And I just, I feel like I kind of have only begun that yes. journey. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really what it is. I like that. I keep coming up with uh, authentic belonging. So we had to do a, a kind of a ritual thing to figure out our personal values while we were in Arizona. It was a really good exercise. And my word ended up being belonging. But I, I was stuck and I wanted authentic too. And I'm like, wait, that's it. You know, creating a place where you can be authentic and belong. Like, wow. I mean, I think that's kind of the goal of bringing all the pieces to work. Let people be authentic and belong. You're doing that. I see you. Thank you. Good. 
It's true. You really are. I mean, if I didn't run my own company, I'd want to come work for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. You're amazing. (laughs) Well, we have a good partnership going here. That's for sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me today and pushing me out of my comfort zone as you do really well. And I love your team. You have an amazing team. So you're creating a great, great, beautiful business. And I'm very proud of you. So nice to to have you. Thank you. And I'm proud to have you a part of it, truly. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Hi, Dale. How you doing, Laura? I'm good. How are you today? Very good. Thank you for joining me on Owning Your Legacy podcast. So this is Dale Whitez, and we're going to talk a little bit about the conversation that Jessica and I had around bringing all of yourself, not just the pieces, to work. So how did, what did you think about that conversation? Any major takeaways? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Of course. Um, you know, it was, it was fascinating to me to hear two entrepreneurial women talk about their humble upbringing, and really, um, I think for anyone, it's just, it, it inspires us to know that um, perfection is not something to really seek. It's, you know, how you can really humbly learn about yourself along the way and then become your very best. That's cool. I think that's so true. I talk a lot about that book, Mindset, and it, um, it touches on the subject of perfection. And even as we hire people at Edlong, it's, you don't really want the Val Victorian because sometimes they say they might have trouble with perfection and they don't, aren't comfortable in the failing and learning. And I think that that is very true. So do you think our culture supports that? Or what do you think about at Edlong of how people can be themselves? Well, actually, I I think it very much does. Like that was one of the attractions when when I sat down with you to hear about the opportunity um, a few years ago that you know, I didn't, I didn't come from the food science industry, so it was definitely a step outside my universe. Um, comfort really, zone. You're like pushing out of the comfort right, zone. <laughs> right, right. But what, what you come to find, the deeper you go, get into your career, is that it's really the people with whom you're working and really what you're trying to accomplish that's most important. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier in my career, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, you know, you want to get with great companies, you want to gain that experience, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily have your own identity. Right. And, and what I saw right away and have experienced uh, at Edlong is that we encourage that. And I think it's, it's really like making sure people feel safe, you know, as safe to be themselves and that they're not going to get challenged for that and that we really, you know, want them to, to definitely shine. So what do you think about owning your legacy? So what's, what's your legacy going to be? Boy, you stumped me there. Um, <laughs> You know, I, um, you know, we all recently uh, talked about the book Dash, right? It's yes. the, you know, we all have a born date and someday we're going to have the, the date uh, that we die. But what matters is everything in between, right? The Dash. And, um, and I guess mine are, mine are pretty simple expectations of myself. And I learned that from, from my, my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want really to, I want my family, my children, my wife to feel like uh, they hit the jackpot in terms of, you know, this person was there for me, um, good times, bad times, and um, that they meant well, that they were had a kind heart. And that's, you know, I think that has carried into my work life quite a bit. And yeah. again, as time goes on, you get more confident. You and Jessica were talking about, 
confidence. And, um, you know, sometimes and people... And imposter syndrome, and, and which I do think is, is not a gender thing. I think it's, it happens to the best of us. Absolutely. And I, and I think that sometimes people hear comfort and they, they think that means complacent. Right. Comfort and complacency are two different things. There is a separation there. But when people are comfortable, um, when they're confident and comfortable, you're going to get the best out of them. And that's what I was that's picking up That's kind of that safety just, thing. I love that. That's very true. You do want people comfortable. You had mentioned, um, you know, you talk about you, you don't necessarily want to hire the valedictorian. Right. You can, but you don't want to hire nothing but valedictorians. True. At least, I, you know, I, I found that you, you want to have some nice balance. And um, I once had a, had a boss that said, I believe in all-star teams. You ought to always get the best available athlete when you're hiring people. And... Um, but you know, I, don't I, work all that well. Well, together, I respectfully so challenged them. I said, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, some of the most talented teams out there um, have not been the best teams. They've had the mm-hmm. best talent, but you can actually see when you have a balanced team. Um, you want people with talent, of course, but it, it's mm-hmm. it's how that chemistry on the team works together. Absolutely. And you, you know, you see people that may have been an average performer. All of a sudden, they're shining because their environment changed for the better. And they yeah. felt more supportive. They felt more open, really, to be themselves. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a lot with our executive leadership team and how tight we are. And, and I think a silver lining to the pandemic was how we had to unite and really work through that. And I think that really built a lot of trust. Absolutely. And it's been extremely challenging. I think all teams, companies have experienced this because of COVID. Yeah. Without trust, now you're remote. Yeah. So how can you build trust remotely? Um, we're still trying to figure that out, but because uh, we have hired quite a few people during the last, you know, couple of years. But um, I do think that they, it takes some time too. You know, right. it's not something that happens overnight. And absolutely, and it's so important. I think it's the it's the foundation of everything is trust. So, Dale, let me ask you: How has your leadership style changed since you've been at Edlong, if it has at all? Wow, I, I think of the word evolution here. Um, First of all, it's the most diverse team I've ever been a part of in my career, you know, spanning three and a half decades. So that says a lot that right there. That does say a lot. Um, Diversity I've, of thought. I I've that. learned a lot about myself in terms of um, just, I think, just listening and hearing other perspectives that, you know, people that didn't grow up the way you did, maybe um, people that are, you know, I think way more intelligent than I am sitting around the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do believe that um, it's, I feel more open. And, and you've really set that tone, I have to say, from the beginning, is that, you know, feel, I feel comfortable. I feel like, um, you know, we've talked about, and you and Jessica talked about vulnerability. Um, when you're trying to build trust with others, right. um, you know, you don't want to appear weak, that's for sure. So you got that on the back of your mind, particularly us male figures who yes. were raised that way. Um, but there's, there's actually strength in admission of, hey, I don't know everything or um, needing other people. You know, I've found that even with my own team, um, the less I know initially, it puts them in the driver's seat in terms of, hey, I can train my new boss. I could help. Right. But then I bring some things to the table, hopefully, that it's a balance. It's a give and take. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that it is part of building the trust because sometimes you bring somebody in that may know everything. They may have done that job 10 times over mm-hmm. and they believe they have all the answers. And I've worked for people like that before. It is very difficult because it's almost like 
you don't build your own confidence because it's like they're holding you to a certain expectation to do it the way they would have done it. And I heard you and Jessica talk about getting out of the way of your people as well. I think it's our responsibility as leaders to give them the guidance and the resources and the support, but do get out of their way for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our executive leadership team, that's been one of the major lessons in my last couple of years at Edlong is, and and trusting you guys, because I have the A team, I did hit the jackpot, Uh, and, and letting you do your jobs and letting me do what I love to do, which is the culture and the vision and that, and that kind of accountability chart and traction world that I live in. So that's good advice. So do you have any words of wisdom you would want to share with our audience around any last words on bringing your whole self to, to work? Well, I, or even how you do I, it with your children. I was, <laughs> I was liking where you were going with your kids and stuff. And, and it, it is, t- I mean, there, there are so many parallels to, right. to being a parent and being a leader. Um, you know, the disadvantage at home is they do see you, you know, more in an unguarded position, if you will. Yes. So once they learn that and they get a little older, you know, can be manipulated a oh, little yeah. bit. Um, or they tease the crap out of you. Right, right. <laughs> but I think, I think um, you know, not being as judgmental. I, I think I've learned that. I grew up, you know, in, in a house where it was pretty open and we would, you know, you would hear the criticism and sometimes it was in jest, sometimes it was serious. But I think with my own children, I, I really wanted to do more listening, and before I would pass judgment, even though in the back of my mind, I'm ready to tell them why what they're thinking is totally not right. <laughs> um, I, I, I've learned over time to really fight that temptation and just kind of, you know, let them talk a little more and just be there as a sounding board and not so much pass judgment. Yeah. And it is amazing if, you know, you, you don't hit it right all the time, but you, you do feel good, and now that they're older and you know young adults now, you know I, I do feel that they have confidence in you know in themselves right. as a result of that, and they're not waiting for quote the approval from mom and dad, but they they sure as heck do want us to be proud. Right. And I think they hear our voices in the back of their mind when they're out out and about. But yeah, I, w- I would say you know just be a bit tap the brakes on the judgment. passing judgment. I love that. I, yeah, I think the kids that have helicopter parents are not going to be served well when they hit adulthood. And I, my mom was awesome at the unconditional love and really no judgment. She's a Jungian analyst and always was just very um, open-minded and let us do what you know we needed to do. And that's huge for children. And, I, and it does relate to work, too. It's very similar. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been thank a you, pleasure. Laura. And I really appreciate your words of wisdom and your leadership.